Check in with Hotelevate for insightful, engaging and relevant conversations in the world of hospitality today. We still have a crowd, Arnie. Yes, you how must, about that? Hello, everybody. You must be the draw here. It's certainly not for me. They, they saw me this morning. So, Arnie, um, you were born in Tokyo. You know, share with us some of your beginnings and why you got into the... Uh, how did you end up in the hotel industry? Uh, without a plan. Without uh, a plan. I think is the short answer. And, and actually, one of the things I, I like to tell people who are starting their working life is just say yes. Follow the opportunities that get presented to, to you. Um, I, uh, I was born in Japan, moved to the States when I was seven, so I essentially grew up in the United States. Uh, went to college in the Midwest, went to law school, practiced law for a dozen years in Washington, D.C., and represented Marriott uh, in a very uh, tough time for the company in the early 90s when it had too much debt uh, and uh, too much construction under, in progress and a very low stock price. Uh, and so worked through that process, and Mr. Marriott said to me a few years later, why don't you come be in the hotel business? Uh, I said, well, why not? And did yes. you join him in the legal team or something? No, nope. I, I said, I'll come, but not to be a lawyer. If you want me to be your lawyer, I'll stay where I am, uh, and you can hire me. Right. Uh, but it seemed like a good, a good move. Of course, he, I don't think he had a plan. I didn't have a plan necessarily that I wanted to follow him, but it, it's been great. Good. Um, you know, I know you've been to India a few times, perhaps, between Starwood and Marriott's integration. Um, How is that progressing? Have there been any surprises, uh, challenges that you didn't anticipate? Would you have done something differently? Well, we are, with each passing day, I think more and more convinced that the deal made sense for us to do. Uh, the, uh, we obviously stepped into acquiring Starwood at the last minute. Uh, we've told this story a few times, but uh, we had, uh, Starwood became available, essentially put up for sale in early 2015. We uh, said, no, we're not interested. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until essentially early October, or late October, October 23rd, 2015, that we said, you know what, we ought to look hard at this. And we jumped in and we signed the, the uh, transactions to buy Starwood three weeks later. I think if we had waited another day or two, uh, we might have lost the opportunity to some other rival bidder. Uh, and fortunately, we got in uh, just in time. It came together so quickly, we were, we were convinced the strategy was right, and the strategy was really about uh, how, do you, how do you compete with digital disruptors, how do you complete, compete in a global world, uh, which for us was about uh, the size of the loyalty program and the, the size of choice we offer our customers, and we thought Starwood brought us really powerful things in that space. Since we closed, it's a huge amount of work. Uh, and uh, the team uh, here and around the world has been working in, in bringing together the cultures, has been working to, to bring together the technology. <coughs> we will later this year have a single loyalty program, which will be really exciting. I think it's gone uh, well. There have been at least as many positive surprises as negative surprises, which is a good thing. Uh, but uh, mostly it's just a lot of work to get through, and it'll still be a good year, maybe two, before we can look back and say for certain that it was successful. The cultures of Marriott were, and Starwood were quite different, right? Marriott was very post-process-driven, aligned, focused, 
Starwood was a lot more vibrant, and some of that was reflected in the brands that they also brought to the table, creative, flexible. Um, has there been a conflict anywhere out there, particularly in Asia, because I think some of these brands in Asia, everyone tends to overspec them. But yeah. have, has there been conflicts between... No, there really hasn't been conflict. I, I think they've been, uh, in, in many respects, there's more in common between the two companies than there was really uh, different. Uh, both were maniacally driven to win. Uh, and, and so it was difficult for the Starwood team to wake up one morning in uh, November and see that Marriott was acquiring them because we were their principal competitor. Uh, and they would sit around their boardroom or they would sit around their regional offices and they would say, what is Marriott doing? How can we make sure we're better than Marriott in the places we could be better than Marriott? And, of course, we were, wa we were watching at Marriott what Starwood was doing uh, and uh, seeing uh, particularly on the, you think about the Heavenly Bed, you think about the launch of W, uh, you think about uh, some of the new select service brands, Aloft and Element. Uh, and we thought there's a, there's a company that is innovating uh, in, a, in a business, uh, competing well with us. Uh, and uh, we, we bring these companies together with this sort of shared desire to win. Now, quickly, you've got to define we is the, is the new Marriott, is the right. combination of these two companies. We can't any longer think Marriott and Starwood. Uh, we got to think about uh, we working together and drive that passion to win as something that we share together. I think also, when you, particularly when you look at the hotel space, the Starwood uh, hotel operators were uh, consummate professionals, uh, focused on the long term, making sure their hotels performed as well as possible. A lot of commonality with Marriott in that space. I think uh, Starwood would get more attention around brand and marketing and some of these things. Sure. Uh, and that was a very deliberate strategy from them, but it as, wasn't as if we weren't doing things in that space too. Right. Uh, launching new brands, doing things around the loyalty programs. And so the, the point is, how do you define the surviving company as one company, one team, and how do you actually have public and innovative strength in both of those spaces? Right. I remember when uh, the announcement went through and one of the first interviews you did was in either on the New York Stock Exchange or something, and you said you'd probably, as a company, save $200 million, uh, maybe in... 250. Saving, 250. Yeah. Uh, did you achieve that, or...? Yeah, or? we will achieve that. Uh, and actually, you, think about it, you may be right. Uh, when we announced in November of 15, I think it was 200. By the time we had to uh, redo the deal after the Chinese uh, uh, bidder surfaced in March of 2016, uh, we, we uh, increased our target to $250 million. To, to save. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll deliver that, um, maybe not every dollar, but nearly every dollar this year in 2018. Right. So do you have a favorite married brand and hmm. why? Hmm. <laughs> I have four children, and I would no sooner tell them which of them is my favorite child than I will tell you which You're being of very the diplomatic 30 brands because you've got is my owners from all brand. the brands here. Yeah, that's right. And so if, I say the, if I say the wrong thing, somebody out here will, will uh, grab me and say, well, wait a second, I'm an owner of a different brand. The, um, but if you had to pick one, I mean, listen, uh, you know, sometimes you just feel that that's the brand or, okay, maybe you'll name well, two of them. I, I, don't, I don't really think about it that way. We, we've been uh, pretty deliberate about 
starting brands in places where we think we can deliver something to customers which has economic attractiveness to us. Obviously, the Marriott brand, Marriott Hotels and Resorts, was the brand we started the business with 60 years ago, uh, 1957. Uh, when we acquired Starwood, we added about 10 brands. We obviously didn't launch each one of those 10. But as you look across, and it varies a little bit market by market, you see the Marriott brand and the Sheraton brand are probably the two full-service brands that are most broadly distributed and most broadly known, and they're big businesses. Uh, Ritz-Carlton and St. Regis are both spectacular luxury brands. Ritz-Carlton may be four si times the size of St. Regis. St. Regis was started much later. Uh, but brands which are really uh, uh, solid luxury performers. Uh, w and then Addition, which Marriott started, uh, which right. sort of lives in the same space, are very strong lifestyle brands. They're very interesting brands. W is extraordinarily well known for a brand that only has 50 hotels maybe around the world open today, 50 or 60. Uh, but it really captures people's attention and imagination. Very high love but also folks who will end up in a W hotel and think, I, what am I doing here? This is, this is not what I'm interested in. Right. Uh, and so the, it's sort of high love and, and also maybe a little bit of uh, um, detractors who would say this is not a brand that's for me. You look at uh, Courtyard and Residence Inn, each about 1,000 hotels, they are enormously powerful economic engines for the company and for their owners. If they can, if they can be op built right and open right, uh, they deliver really strong returns. And so each each brand has got a little bit uh, different story. Uh, I love them all, though. Right. And uh, with the thirty brands, any plans of phasing out a few brands or no. adding more? Or no, we we'll... will, we will keep them. And I think over time, we're more likely to add than to subtract. And would it be adding through acquisition or just well organic? Yeah, yes, yes to both. I mean the the. Um, uh, I think back to maybe 2010, 2011, uh, Marriott would have had something like 15 brands at the time, and we were asked regularly then, are you going to add any brands? Right. And I would tend to say, we're pretty complete. We don't see any reason to. Well, since then, we added AC Hotels, uh, Delta Hotels, uh, Gaylord Hotels. We started from scratch, Autograph and Moxie, all before you get to the Starwood acquisition. Right. And, and we added those things because they thought they were uh, more than just another single brand to our portfolio, but a way for us to get into spaces which we were not in before. Sometimes, AC being the classic example, it was a way to expand into a geogra geography that we weren't strong in, Spain in that right. instance. And I think as you look around the world, we will uh, probably find opportunities that are geographic maybe first, where we say there's a brand that exists. We might not in the abstract need another brand, but to get stronger in a given market, that is a, 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 a good tool for us to do it. Right. So how is Marriott dealing with the digital disruption, uh, particularly with the OTAs? And I know, again, that was something you brought up, and I know you've, I've read your blogs with Airbnb and a little bit of discussions that's happened out there. Yeah. Your view on that and how that's going to impact the industry? Yeah, I should, I should be careful. I was interviewed by an Indian journalist yesterday and was asked whether we'd like to pay less to Expedia in commissions. There's I, no one from Expedia, by the way, so you're Well, okay. my friends from Expedia, they'd be, it'd be perfectly fine if they heard this, but they said, would you like to pay yes? I said, yes. 
We'd like to pay, pay less. Uh, today there's a, a story in the paper that Marriott expects to lower commissions with Expedia. Maybe the they next, will turn it in down. The next, in the next round of negotiations. The, uh, uh, more, more seriously, I mean, I think the, um, the reason our thinking about Starwood changed from early 15 to late 15 is we were uh, confronted more and more with these digital disruptors. We had a negotiation with Expedia during that period of time, uh, which we almost uh, did not resolve, so we almost pulled our inventory off of Expedia. Uh, we had uh, uh, meetings in Silicon Valley with Google, uh, Facebook, uh, I met with Alibaba in China, uh, we watched what was happening in this space, and we thought, you know what, um, they're each a little different. Uh, they can be great partners or great tools for us to use, but they can also be uh, uh, companies or platforms that are trying to get further into our relationships with our own customers and make money off of us. Uh, and for us to be able to protect ourselves on that piece, we thought it would be better to have the strength of loyalty program uh, where we could offer a breadth of choice. We'll never offer the breadth of choice that a Priceline does or that sure. a Google does. Uh, but by having 30 brands in 120 countries, 6,500 hotels, uh, with luxury and lifestyle and, and core full service and select service hotels, we think we can go to customers and say, wherever you're going, whatever the reason for the trip, wherever you are in your career, we've got a place for you to stay. Uh, and when you stay with us over and over again, you've got real value that will come back to you uh, from the time that you've spent with us. Sure. Free vacation in the most exotic destination in the world with the aspirational challenge. And so that, that uh, power of choice and the loyalty program fundamentally is our tool number one to deal with these disruptors. They cannot offer, because we won't let them offer, uh, participation in our loyalty programs for folks that are coming through those sites. Right. So if you want to get those benefits as a customer, you've got to be within our ecosystem. Right. Um, changing the subject, Donald Trump, a hotelier in the White House, um, I know you've been critical of his travel policies. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so the, uh, uh, a couple of things here. He, he obviously is, has been in the hotel business for, for some time. We think he understands the hotel business well. I, I like the word, you think he understands. Uh, we think he understands <laughs> it well. Um, uh, he certainly has the experience to sure. understand it well. I think he knows that the hotel business, whether it's in the United States or in India or any other part of the world, is a, a jobs machine. It's one of the great things about our business is when we grow in a given market, we are creating opportunities for people. We're creating economic growth for people. Uh, and I think all of that he understands. Uh, I think at the same time, his uh, political persona and identity is a America first, his phrase, approach. And that America first uh, approach you know, can be described overly darkly or overly optimistically, but it is inward in its focus. Uh, right. And it is, uh, you know, a little bit opposed to the other, opposed to the foreigner. Uh, and that's not only happening in the United States, it's happening in some other countries around the world where folks are maybe uh, dreaming of an old time, uh, maybe wanting a simpler world, 
Uh, and depending on the way that language is used and communicate, it, it can feel to many that it is a sign that you're not welcome. And so when we look at global statistics from last year, and one of the challenges, of course, here is it's hard to get real-time statistics. Right. But it looks like international trips last year were up 7%, meaning every trip taken by any traveler crossing the national border to something like 1.3 billion trips. Right. International arrivals to the United States, again, we don't have definitive data, but look like they were zero-ish, maybe down a little bit. Uh, so it's clear that the United States grew less than the world grew in international travel. Why? I can't help but think a piece of that is the rest of the world heard our rhetoric in the United States as being, you're not as welcome here as the rhetoric you might have heard before. And for leisure travel particularly, that can't help but have an impact. Right. Um, so how do you measure success? Is it the number of rooms? Is it your share price, net income, or anything else? Well, it's, it's all of the above, uh, obviously. We, we have, um, uh, it's, a big, it's a big business. Actually, before you answer that, I, I, this question also came into my mind. I was, we had an owners only meet this morning and I'd walked in and I heard uh, one of the owners brought up that, you know, the big brands, they don't really care in terms of how much fees they make. It's really, if, if they announce, let's say, we're gonna have 20 more hotels, the share price in the New York Stock Exchange goes up, and that's what they really care about at the end of the day. Uh, is that, how do, you, how do you respond to that owner? No, I mean, I, I, actually one of, the, one of the great things about Marriott, uh, we celebrated our 90th anniversary last year. Uh, we've, uh, I, you know, I follow two CEOs, both with the name Marriott, uh, and between them they had 85 years of tenure at the company. Uh, I've only had six years as CEO, but I've been at Marriott for 22. And when you look across the Marriott team, Craig Smith is here who runs Asia Pacific for us. Craig's got 30 years, I think, uh, if I remember right, uh, with the company. And uh, what that means is there is very little about what we do at Marriott, which is short-term driven. We're not, we're not interested in the market's reaction to announcement today. Uh, we are interested in growing. Uh, we're interested in growing to create opportunities for our people. We're interested in growing so our loyalty program's better. We're interested in growing so that we can drive better results for our owners and so they'll grow with us. Ultimately, we're interested in creating economic value from all of that. But the economic value is gonna be driven by the growth which is actually achieved, not by the growth which is announced. Even when we did the Starwood acquisition, obviously it got an enormous amount of attention across the industry. And, and often the first conversations would be congratulations on doing that deal. Right. Our response was, it's not time to congratulate us. All we did was pay more than anybody else was prepared to pay for Starwood. <laughs> and we had the capacity to do it, but that's not winning. Winning is pulling those companies together successfully and driving better performance because of that merger than we could have done alone. And that's only something that we can accomplish over the course of two, three, four, five years. So again, a question which is coming out of people that I've been talking to over the last 24 hours. Uh, I had an owner talk to me. He's one of your owners, doesn't want to be named. Uh, he's got hotel, it's a full service hotel. He's got multiple- Just na name the hotel, no, that's fine. I'm not gonna name that. Um, and he says that he's got restaurants that just don't work and he wants yeah. to shut them down and Marriott won't let them shut them down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if a hotel has five restaurants or four restaurants and if a couple of them are not doing well, and 
We know that F&B has moved out of hotels in other parts of the world. Yeah. Why would Marriott not look at brand standards being changed to what is the need of the day today? Yeah, and of course that's that's a hard question to ask answer in a totally hypothetical sure. uh, sort of con context. I think we've got we've got to get the balance right uh, between delivering the experience to our customer, which the customer not only needs to have but wants to have, uh, so that the customer is leaving and saying, "I loved that experience I had at that Marriott hotel or Westin hotel or you know Ritz Carlton, wh whatever brand they're staying in." And uh, most customers expect something in food and beverage. Uh, right. And in India, they expect a lot more in food and beverage than they do in the United States uh, because there are traditions here that are important. That doesn't necessarily mean that any brand has got a brand standard that you must have five hotels. That, sure. that, that doesn't compute for me either. Uh, but, but a hotel that has uh, a restaurant which is not performing as well as it should... Uh, the first question and, and uh, focus ought to be, can we make that restaurant perform better so that it's an economic proposition? But even if you can't answer that, you can't take all food and beverage experience away from your customer and still expect that you're going to deliver the hotel experience that the customer expects to have. And, and I think even within our own system, we've got examples of this where we have cut too much in the uh, effort to drive profitability and ended up compromising the experience that our guest has. And we will, we will sometimes struggle through that, but we will certainly always talk with our owners about that, talk right. with our brand teams about that, and say, how do we make sure we're getting this as right as we possibly can? Right. So one of the things that I've learned is that diversity and inclusiveness are issues that are very close to your heart, and uh, same with equality, gender, or whether it's ethnicity or L the LGBT community. Uh, these are real issues. What are you doing? You know, share with the audience. I know Marriott has this is something new that you've personally initiated. What is going on out there? Well, this is an interesting set of issues, too. The, uh, when uh, President Trump was elected in the fall of 16, uh, our LGBT associates around the world, uh, obviously particularly in the United States where they were part of that electoral process, uh, were concerned about uh, what does it mean for my life, what does it mean for uh, my opportunities in work or in, in the communities where I'm in. Uh, and it was a sort of a, a, a palpable sense of concern. Uh, and we thought it was important, I thought it was important to uh, speak out on behalf of that community and say at least about Marriott, and I think about the industry, I, I suspect we would have extraordinarily high levels of agreement here uh, in this room. We are a highly diverse collection of people that are welcoming a highly diverse collection of, of guests. Right. And if we can't welcome everybody, no matter where they come from, how they lead their lives, how they define themselves, who they are, uh, then nobody can. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, I think one of the great opportunities of, of uh, working at a company like Marriott and working in an industry like this one is to be a voice for our better natures. Uh, and I think our better natures do include uh, accepting people across uh, all walks of life and all identities. Right. Um, I notice you come to India probably twice a year, if I, if I take a look at the last four or five years. How different is this part of the world from 
other regions that you go to? Um, I mean, is there a difference in bottom line? There's a difference in the types of owners you come across? One of the reasons I love India is it's unique. Okay. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's a fabulous destination. Uh, and uh, you know it a thousand times better than I will ever know it, but it is uh, got a powerful culture, maybe multiple cultures, obviously. Uh, India's got its own set of uh, regions and diversities and languages. Uh, and cultures across the country, uh, great distinctive food, uh, great sounds and smells. And Have you and ever holidayed in India? Oh, I have, absolutely. I've been here with my four kids and, and my wife. My wife was a student teacher in uh, Cody Canal. Uh, I shouldn't age her, but uh, 37 years ago. Right. Uh, and India has sort of loomed large in our family for a long, long time. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that is, is really powerful about this place is you get a real sense that you're in some place different. And it's, it's one reason I think India is still underappreciated as a destination around the world. Right. I think uh, the, the volume of inbound travel to India is way too small uh, compared to how compelling this place is. And it's too small in part because it's a complicated place to come to. Infrastructure is hard. Well, your way away. your moderator couldn't make it here because of a visa issue. So you're absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's, that's it's, right. It's, the, the, I'm I'm here because I'm substituting yeah, yeah. as a moderator today. Yeah, so, yeah. And, uh, but but India is making progress in that regard. I think it is. Obviously, you look around. I was in Bangalore yesterday and in Mumbai today. Obviously, infrastructure spending is happening all around us. Uh, we've got to make sure India continues to market itself to the rest of the world. Uh, the, uh, the stories that can be told about India, uh, the memories that can be created here and taken home are extraordinary. So outside of India, which is your favorite holiday destination? Oh, the world is a big place. Uh, the, and, and the things are, obviously places are very different. Uh, my kids are all adults now uh, and have traveled uh, lots. It's one of the great blessings of this job. Uh, I think they would say that climbing Kilimanjaro together uh, okay. was uh, among their best trips ever. Uh, maybe not so much because of where it was or its beauty, but because it was something we accomplished together. Right. Uh, they loved India. I remember we were uh, Christmas Eve in uh, Taj's hotel in the middle of Lake Udaipur, mm -hmm. uh, celebrating that and to celebrate our uh, uh, Christmas tradition in the midst of Rajasthan uh, was, was ex you know, absolutely right. extraordinary. Uh, and so you can, you can go around the world and find uh, places which are uh, extraordinary. Uh, and, and that's, again, a great thing about our business. So what will the hotels of the future look like? The, um, I think some things are obvious. Uh, I think uh, with nearly blinding speed, we will all be opening our guest room doors with our phones. Sorry? I didn't... We'll all be opening our guest room doors with our phones. Okay. Uh, I think we're just at the tipping point of that technology being essentially ubiquitous. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know that uh, a number of us in the industry have said, maybe particularly in the luxury space, uh, we are in a people business and we want to make sure that we continue to interact with our guests. Yes, we should continue to act with our guests. But when our guests want us to interact with them, and when we're delivering value to them. Uh, and if I'm on business travel particularly, and I'm showing up in a hotel at 10 at night, 
I don't want to have interaction with somebody. I want to be able to walk straight to my guest room, open that door with right. my phone, climb into bed, uh, and uh, I think that's a, a fairly obvious uh, switch. We will see other f technology enter the hotel. Uh, we will have the ability to communicate with the hotels on our devices as opposed to the, sure. the phone by our bed. And we've been pretty slow in that, uh, really, as an industry. We almost don't use landlines anyplace except hotel rooms anymore. Right. And you get in a hotel room and you've got to do it because the app doesn't deliver enough features or, or something else. And so I think we'll, we'll see that. Um, I, I am uh, reasonably confident that we will continue to see more design of the physical product, mm -hmm. more interesting design, more localized design, and better food and beverage. So more design, do you mean more complicated design or more straightforward design? More, um, uh, more unique design, by more the way, bespoke design, so less way, uniformity. Yeah, by the way, this conference this year has seen a growth of 400% in terms of the designers and architects, so that tells that you right? that, yeah. that development is coming back in yeah. India. And, and that's, be that, that's because our customers demand it. Right. Uh, if, if I want to take a trip that I can share on Instagram, or on some other social media platform, it damn well better be interesting. Okay. And to be interesting means, if I'm in Mumbai, it better show something about the architecture of this place. Right. Better show something about the food of this place. So apart from uh, Bill Marriott, who do you admire most in the industry and why? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question. Uh, and maybe I'll play to the hometown crowd a little bit. Um, I think Mr. Oberoi is, like Mr. Marriott, a... Uh, lifetime-driven, passionate hotelier. Uh, and uh, the, the folks in this room have more expertise about India than I do, but a little bit like Marriott, many hotel people, maybe most hotel people in India, have a Oberoi history, uh, a, a training program that is fabulous, uh, uh, very much driven by Mr. Oberoi. I think his passion for the business, which he still has today at 89 years old, uh, is like what Mr. Marriott has. I think the portfolio of hotels he's built uh, is extraordinary. I don't often talk about uh, a founder of a competing hotel company as a, a role model, but I think you've got to give him uh, credit, credit for what he's built and for what he's contributed to the industry. Thank you. Um, I know time is going to be up, so describe for me Marriott in one word. Restless. Okay. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank Arnie. you, Manav. Thank you all very much. <laughs>